from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It feels like the landscape of the NBA changed wildly in the last 24 hours with two simple transactions. And now, with Christoph Porzingis, a Boston Celtic, with Chris Middleton no longer a Milwaukee Buck for right now, we're left to wonder what's next, especially on a night like tonight where we're all watching the Portland Trailblazers to figure out what happens with the third overall pick and what it means importantly for Damian Lillard. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and to get you ready for all of the draft action and everything going on in the NBA tonight, ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joins us right now. You can check Wendy out tonight on Hoop Streams on the live digital uh, programming for the draft. Uh, Going to be great, always is. Uh, Brian, appreciate your time. Uh, look, reasonable, realistic expectations are now gone when it comes to the name Victor Wembenyama. So uh, what are you expecting from him and the Spurs in year one? Well, I just want to see whether his talents and his frame that support his talents are able to truly overcome his lack of bulk. And that's the thing about Wembenyama. Um he is going to get embarrassed by the bigger, stronger players. But by the way, he just played in the French League. It wasn't like he was playing teenagers there. He was playing real men there. It's a very, you know, they play a physical style in Europe. He's going to get embarrassed every now and then. There's going to be times where he gets dumped on or he gets pushed around or whatever. But he also, because of his incredible physical gifts, particularly his length, he is going to be able to make play. And so what I want to watch is I want to watch – how he's able to be a playmaker defensively, because I think defensively he's a playmaker from day one, versus how he manages getting manhandled a little bit, as every 19-year-old who comes in the NBA, but particularly someone of his size, is going to be. I think if you look at the history of top picks, LeBron didn't lead his team to the playoffs till his third season. I believe Durant was the same. I believe Luka... It's year three or something like that, or maybe it was year two. Very rarely does a player come in in his first year and all of a sudden completely affect a team's entire out, uh, outlook. And so I don't think he's going to make the Spurs a winner right away, but I do think he's going to be a playmaker right away. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. So, Wendy, we got some big news last night. The Celtics acquired Christoph Pazingas. And the same night that Chris Middleton decided that he was going to decline his $40 million option next year, has the balance of power in the Eastern Conference changed in the last 24 hours, in your opinion? Well, just because Chris Milton opted out doesn't mean he's leaving uh, Milwaukee. You know, his, his contract option was for the neighborhood of $40 million, and the, 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 the Bucks are headed into the repeater tax. Um, and I think working out a new, a new contract that would take that money down from where he was going to make it and then spread it out over some years might be beneficial to both sides. I don't think there's necessarily a deal done, but I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that Middleton's leaving. I do think there's some concern about whether or not the Bucks can keep both Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Lopez was one of the best defensive players in the league last year. He has some interest on the free agent market. That is a fair assessment. What if they can't get them both back? 
was definitely a power move by Boston, but they gave up something of value. Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of their defense. He's a leader. He's a voice in the locker room. That was not a simple trade for them to agree to make. They did it to better balance their roster, and because I think they felt like they were getting a good deal, getting Porzingis and two first-round picks for Marcus Smart is a good value. But that was not simple. But I definitely think it was a power move by the Celtics, and it certainly put all the other contenders, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, on notice in the East. Now, is there something that Chris Middleton and his camp uh, know that the rest of us don't because of him, him deciding to, to turn down that $40 million? $40 million is a lot of money, Wendy. <laughs> yes, but it's for one year. So what if you sign a new three- or four-year deal where your guarantee went much higher? You know, he didn't have the greatest year this year. He was injured for most of the season. So, you know, if you can guarantee, you know, the Bucks know him, they value him. He was a huge factor in their championship. Um, this, this has happened a number of times over the years. This would not be revolutionary. In fact, it happened to our own Richard Jefferson at one point. He was with the Spurs and opted out of a contract and took less money but guaranteed himself over more, over more years. Um, and, again, I don't want to guarantee that's what he's going to do, but I would say the league was not shocked and stunned that Middleton opted out at all. We're talking to Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider. Again, you can check him out tonight as part of our draft coverage with the NBA draft. And uh, the other part of this is Marcus Smart goes to the Grizzlies. We've talked a lot about the Grizzlies on ESPN radio for it feels like months at this point needing a stabilizing force. Is Marcus Smart that person in your mind? I mean, the Grizzlies were obviously extremely excited to be able to do this deal. Um, This is the type of player that you can't find. And this is a guy who's very experienced. Um, and not only experienced, but a leader, and more, I would say almost as, as important, he's under contract for the next three years at a reasonable number. When you're in a place like Memphis, you know, this is kind of like a free agent move for them. Because, you know, and, and they're bringing in a guy who not only can, can help, you know, hold down the fort while John Morant deals with his suspension for the first part of the season, but he's also going to be a guy in the locker room who will be a stabilizing force. I mean, I have covered so many um, uh, Celtics playoff series over the years. Marcus Smart is a guy who is an absolute force in that locker room, and that's what they need. They need veterans who have strong voices who also can be influential players. And they paid a lot. You know, they paid Tyus Jones, who is really regarded as the best backup point guard, or at least among the best backup point guards in the league, Um, and two first-round picks for him. That's a, that was a pretty price to pay, and they did it uh, because they know how valuable um, a guy like Marcus Smart could be and how hard he is. Uh, players like that are to find. Yeah, Marcus Smart is definitely needed in Memphis. Now, I'm excited about the NBA draft tonight. If the Blazers select Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson, because both of those options are on the table, um, depending on who goes to with the third pick, the headline tomorrow will be what, Wendy? What will Dame Lillard do? Because, um, you know, the thing that happened was at the end of the season, and, and I know this is, if you're a Blazer fan, you are very well aware of this, but you may not be aware of this elsewhere. Dame sat at the end of the season and said, I don't want another young prospect player. I want veterans to help me right now. And, this, and Joe Cronin, their general manager, essentially said the same thing. They were on the same page. 
And while they didn't use the words, we will trade our draft pick for a veteran, it was kind of implied that's the direction that, that Dame wanted and the Blazers were prepared to do. And then they got lucky in the lottery to the point where they got the three, the number three pick, which in this draft is the cutoff point. Maybe Amen Thompson will end up being a star or whoever goes fourth to Houston. But the difference between three and five in this draft is enormous. And the Blazers started to you know, get some offers for that third pick. And I think they were in a position, and, you know, we're in disinformation zone, and we have hours till the draft, but um, where they felt that the draft pick would make more sense than, um, than the trade, than a trade. And so I will say, the, it's not like the only way for the Blazers to get veterans is to trade the number three pick. They could trade the number 23 pick. They have young guys on their roster that they could trade for veterans. It's not impossible, but this was the way to get a true impact player. And so we'll wait and see what Dame says. I mean, I think what the Blazers would like is for Dame just to see what the new player looks like. Watch him in summer league. Go through a training camp with him. Don't just, you know, you know, walk or, or, or do something because, of, because we went this direction. And we'll see whether or not Dame, who has a long history of working with the Blazers, does that or not. But I think it would be fair to say that the teams out there in the league who might have interest in trading for him are prepared for there to be action if the Blazers don't swing a big deal tonight. So, Wendy, real quick, I, like, I don't know if you're much of a conspiracy theorist. I'm not, but... Uh, there is at least some humor behind the concept that Brandon Miller has made. You know, he's done some little trash talking to, to Michael Jordan over the last 24 hours. Now, some people are saying there's a chance Scoot's going to go two. Brandon Miller's going to go three. Was Brandon Miller setting all this up just because he didn't want to go to Charlotte at two overall? I mean, it's it's a funny thing to talk about, and, and who knows what's happening. I would just say that you've got to be really careful about late-breaking information. I, I, don't, I, I wish I could tell you I knew what the Hornets were going to do. I would say to you that I think as much as we talk about Victor Wembanyama, uh, and, and rightly so, this draft is a draft that will be determined by the Hornets at two and the Pistons at five. What the Hornets do here, and I, I mean, I, I wish I could say to you, oh, I've done you know 5,000 hours of recruiting or scouting, and I know exactly what to take there. I think there's a genuine debate in the league about who is better there. And the Hornets are the ones that have to make the decision. The Blazers' decision is easy. The Blazers have one of the easiest nights in terms of drafting. Whoever the Hornets take, you take the other guy. And also at number five, Detroit, that's where the draft kind of a lot of differentiation in opinion and teams offering to trade up to to Detroit to try to get that pick as well. Detroit has a key, key thing. I think it's a very, very challenging thing. And here's something else. Mitch Kupchak, their general manager, came out yesterday at a press conference and said that Michael Jordan will have the last say. But Michael Jordan agreed to sell the team last week. <laughs> so, like, he is the owner right now, and that is, you know, typically the way it goes. He is, you know, gets the last uh, approval. But what about the new owners? And Mitch Kupchak said the new owners are going to be around and have been involved in the process a little bit. What if the new owners want something and Jordan wants something else? I don't know if that's true, to be clear, but that's another monkey wrench to fit in, to throw in. I honestly think that Charlotte is the story of the night tonight. What they do is the story of the night, and I felt that for a while, and I'll be fascinated to see how they make the decision and how they explain why they made it. You can watch him tonight with Christine Williamson, Kirk Goldsberg, Kevin Pelton, King McClure. He's the Brian Windhorst. They'll be on Hoop Streams on the Hoop Streams draft special, 8 p.m. Eastern, across all of the digital platforms for ESPN. Don't want to miss it. Wendy, always appreciate your time and expertise, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Take care.
All right, that's Brian Windhorst giving us all of the lowdown that you need to know. Brandon Miller's been talking trash about Michael Jordan for the last 24 hours. Why would he do that? We'll, we'll tell you next. Fitz and Harry, or, you know, Buns and Guns on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Yesterday, Brandon Miller shocked a lot of us when asked about the GOAT conversation, and he let the world know that LeBron's not the GOAT, didn't even mention Michael Jordan, but that his GOAT's Paul George. And just when you thought things couldn't get more shocking from the mouth of the soon-to-be top draft pick, high draft pick in the NBA, it got even weirder. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I I don't know, man. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. You know that, Harry. But I always seem to say that right before I throw out a conspiracy theory. Like, Brandon Miller yesterday, when asked about the GOAT conversation, didn't even mention your GOAT, Michael Jordan. Now, he was asked on Sirius XM NBA Radio about what Michael Jordan said to him during his workout. So there's a little portion of that. Uh, he, he told me I was just a shooter. <laughs> just shooting threes. Uh, so, I mean, it's nothing with him. I, I know, I, I know my, my talents and my abilities. Uh, you can't really let Jordan get in your head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It might make him feel good and make you feel bad. So uh, kind of talk some trash back to him. I witnessed him airball a free throw, too. I mean, he just throws out, I witnessed him airball a free throw. He's out here openly trash-talking Michael Jordan. Well, uh, let me tell you this. Tonight during the NBA draft, if Scoot Henderson goes number two to the Charlotte Hornets, in which Michael Jordan is going to be selling the team, but he has the final say in this draft pick tonight. That means he took it personally. <laughs> like he, like he, like he said, you know, in, in the phenomenal film, The Last Dance, he took a lot of things personal. He took it personally, but it, it also goes to show you, though, this younger generation, man, they don't care about no Michael Jordan, no Bart. They don't care about none of those overheads. And and, I, and I'm saying it like that because all they care about is what's going on right now, and them playing the game of basketball because they didn't grow up watching guys like Michael Jordan. And I'm surprised at certain things that he said about LeBron James because he LeBron James is a current player at the moment. But that's just where we are in our world today when it comes to, to these young cats or whatnot. But I wouldn't be surprised if Scoot Henderson did go second. But I, I'm also wouldn't be I also wouldn't be surprised 
if Brandon Miller didn't want to go to Charlotte and he's trying to find a path to go to Portland and play with Damian Lillard. I mean, that's the thing. When you talk about not giving a damn about history, even if you gave a damn about Michael Jordan, he's about to not be around the team anymore. So all of a sudden you can go play for Charlotte or you can go play with Dame and Dame is a current guy. Like it was just a couple of years ago. We watched Dame shoot impossible shot after shot after shot in the playoffs that he made in some of the most epic but playoffs. the one that like, stands out to me. The one that stands out to me as the clock is winding down, Fitz, and Paul George is guarding him, right? And he's mm. rocking back and forth, hops to the right, knocks down that trifecta, points at his wrist because it was Dame time. I would never in my life forget that moment. Never forget that moment in my life. And if we're being real, if you're Brandon Miller, that's recent. Like, you know that. You remember that. You watched it. You felt that. Uh, the only shot that Brandon Miller has to watch Michael Jordan is to go back and watch YouTube film of him. Like, uh, you know, it feels rough for guys like us to suddenly realize we're that old. But, like, the only shot, I mean, Brandon Miller's parents might not even been done the, doing the hippie did. Well, but think about was, this. The, yeah. the shot that he made over Russell to beat the Utah Jazz, you look at all the fans in the stands, nobody is holding a cell phone recording it. No one. You look at pictures in today's game. And everyone is holding a picture trying to record moments. Oh, yeah. That was the craziest thing at the championship parade, looking around and realizing that people, half the people weren't even watching. They were looking at their phone to make sure that they recorded it the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just where we are. You're right. And so I don't fault, by the way, any any young athlete that is more sort of, let's say, influenced by current uh, athletes than pre- previous generations. Like, at this point, if we want to talk about the mid-90s, that was 25 years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. in in when you and I were younger, we, were we watching athletes 25 years older than we were just to try and get some sense of it? Like, no, you didn't even, the internet didn't even exist when I was that age. So, like, it's not like I was going to turn around and, and be able to watch some football game from the 70s and have concept of it, right? So, I, I don't really fault <laughs> Brandon Miller for it. It's just a shocking reminder, to your point, that the more and more we have young athletes coming into the draft, the less and less influenced they are going to be by guys like Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Ewing. Like, how many people today in the draft know Charles Barkley more for the personality than they do for anything he ever did on the court? Well, they didn't grow up watching Charles. Right. Right? And, and I'm pretty sure they're not typing into their YouTube. And look, me and my barber had this conversation all the time. Because he talks about, like, his kids, and I look at my nephew who's at my house right now. The these guys, they go to, what, TikTok and Snapchat just to watch, you know, certain highlights. They ain't watching full games like, you know, we used to do back in the day. No, and and even if they are watching highlights of Barkley, you want to tell me that it resonates the same? Like, I just don't think a lot of times, and the same thing we deal with as a generation when you go back and you watch guys that played in the 60s, 70s, uh, even the 80s sometimes. Like, trying to understand how that game can matters to this game and how different it all looked, you know, it's just... It's hard. It's hard to, to explain some of the greatness of certain players in today's society when they're used to looking at other things. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. I will echo, though, Wendy's sentiment. It's just like the NFL draft at this point. Trust nothing. No matter what you're hearing today about right now, whether Brandon Miller's going to go second, Scoot Henderson's going to go second, what that means, trust nothing. Speaking of trust nothing, all we've heard for the last week are wild rumors about two stars that everybody thinks is going to be dealt. Coming up, I'll tell you why everybody's wrong, and they're not going anywhere. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I don't know, though. Like, sometimes I do leg day, too. Uh, so buns and guns can be ever-rotating. It depends. Harry Douglas coming right off a of leg day. He's definitely he's definitely buns. I did buys yesterday, so I'm definitely guns. Like, that's the way this works. But, you know. But, but, but why did, De- Dev, why did you play this juvenile back that thing up? Like, why did you play this song? Yeah, I mean, what 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 what, what are you trying to say there, Dev? Like, what, what are you insinuating, I thought that this was I thought this was about biceps and, and croissants. I, like, what, what, I wish I could take credit for this great uh, region. Joined, but Sterling is the one who made that, so we're gonna have to ask Sterling. Sterling saying, Sterling. You back that Starting thing up. stuff up in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sterling, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm just saying, whew, it's it. don't worry, you just might want to turn the air conditioning up in your car if you're listening because things are getting heated around here. Uh, Buns and Guns Woo! on ESPN Radio, it's time for the progressive NBA snapshot. And uh, that comes in the form of tonight's draft. But here's what's interesting to me, Harry. Everybody keeps telling us, well, Zion and Dame and Zion and Dame. Are the Pelicans going to move off? And are the the Trailblazers going to figure out how to trade Dame? I don't think any of it happens tonight. Like, honestly, realistically, at this point, if Zion was going to be going somewhere in a package, I think we would have already started to hear about it. So in my mind, there's no action that's going to happen. The New Orleans just looked around and realized their best solution is to figure out how to get him mentally engaged how to get him healthy and just hope that they can figure it out. And for the Trailblazers, frankly, I, I don't know what you think you're going to get today that's going to make trading Dame worth it right now. Like, I'm not saying that Dame stays with Portland for the next six months, but for the next 24 to 48, I'd be stunned to see something happen because, frankly, they've had all this time to get something done. They, they have to look at it and say, okay, if Scoot's our guy at three, we're going to take Scoot, and then we'll just deal with the ramifications. Hope we can talk Dame into being happy. Well, I will say this. I'll start with the Pelicans. And I know their front office is probably looking at things and saying, okay, when this guy is on the court, he is phenomenal. And I, and I said this a few days ago, Fitz, when you have the small sample size that you do have, a Zion, when he's out there on the basketball court and how efficient he is and how much of a difference maker he makes your basketball team, it's hard to get that out of your head. With all the craziness that went on with Zion his entire career up until this point, it's hard to get those images out of your head of when he is out there and the success that your team is having, right? So sometimes that could put, you know, a little fear in our team's uh, uh, mind, like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should just give it a little bit more time and hope that he can come around and be the player that he showed us flashes of so far up until this point. And for the, the Trailblazers, even if you do get a Zion, I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Lakers. I don't think they're going to be be able to compete with the Memphis Grizzlies, nor the Phoenix Suns, or also the Denver Nuggets, or the Golden State Warriors. And then if the Clippers do not trade Paul George and they keep that team afloat and they get a point guard, I don't see them competing with them either. So there are so many other teams if you're Portland and they're from-
this and you're looking at things that I'm saying, I, I just don't see us getting through the West with a Zion and a Damian Lillard on our roster. This is where he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Uh, it, it becomes so interesting to me when you think about sort of looking in the mirror as an organization and figuring out where you are versus where you want to be. And to the, to your point, I'm not sure most of these organizations that would have to give up a King's ransom for Zion see the way that that works out for them. Conversely, if I'm New Orleans and I'm looking around saying, well, if I got to trade Zion for the number three overall pick, is that really going to put me one step closer to the NBA championship right now? We know one thing. We know that when Zion was healthy, we know that Zion healthy on the court with Ingram and with C.J. McCollum was giving us the best team in the West, right? It was giving us MVP vibes. It was giving us all the feels. It was giving us all of the basketball you could ever think that New Orleans wanted out of this, right? The only question has always been, can he, will he, somehow, does he stay healthy? And that's a really difficult question to answer. But if you're New Orleans, you got to look around and say, well, if we get rid of him, it's not going to make us any closer to winning a championship. If we keep him, at least there is a path, a path I can see that the end goal becomes, okay, I understand how we're going to get from A to B. Uh, every other way, you are just rolling the dice. And, you know, at some point, rolling the dice works for you for a second, but you can't continually just re-roll and think you're going to find somebody that on the court will make you better than Zion. Well, here's why I think being healthy and remaining healthy and being available to your team is important, I think, for Zion. I think it's important for him mentally because we've seen his body, you know, get out of shape when he's not able to – practice when he's not able to move around uh, because of certain injuries. So now the mental part of things for him are clouding his mind. So that's why I think it's important for him to remain healthy, but also have someone, and I would think C.J. McCullough would be able to be that guy, but if I'm the front office also, I'm going to Zion and saying, okay, we understand you may feel X, Y, Z. How can we be better as an organization for you to number one, be happy for you to be able to play up to your capabilities so we can compete for a championship. I, I'm also, though, Harry, you've talked so much about the fact that you hear stuff, athletes hear stuff. Uh, I disputed whether or not Dame really gives a damn because maybe he doesn't listen to ESPN, right? And we yeah. all sort of laughed about that. It's on all the time. I sat there this morning on Get Up, and I, I think it was Tim Legler that said, this goes one or two ways for, for Zion at this point. Either he becomes the Zion that we all thought he was going to be, or in the next few years he could be out of the NBA. If I'm Zion and I hear that, man, if that does, there's got to be a wake-up call somewhere that resonates. If and CJ then, McCollum, then there's going to be a 30 for 30 on him. Right? Like, that level of flop, you'd be talking about one of the all-time biggest busts in NBA history if he just flames out of the league in the next year or two, right? Like, that is not just things went wrong. That's, oh my God, things went way off the rails, right? Like, there has to be some, to your point of of getting in his ear and getting around him and saying, hey man, you got to make better out of this. At some point, he's got to hear those things and give a damn as a human being. If he doesn't, nobody can help him anywhere. But frankly, if you if I'm walking through and I hear somebody saying, oh man, if Fitz doesn't clean up his act, his career is going to be done in the next year. I'm sorry, I stop and think, man, am I yes. doing the wrong things? Like, yes. that's human. You would think a light bulb would go off uh, in your head or... You would have the sense of man. No, I don't. I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let my family down, but I also don't want to be viewed in this light that of something that could have been, right? I I I want my my legacy to be defined differently 
not as a guy that's consistently hurt or has the off the court stuff going on that's overshadowing his play on the basketball court because the inability of not being out there. Right. You would think at some point a light bulb will go off. But, you know, everyone isn't wired the same. But this is what's wild about that draft. The top two picks unquestionably when they are on the court mm-hmm. are two of the most dominant players in today's NBA. John Morant and Zion Williamson had the chance not just to win championships, but frankly to change the NBA forever. They have the opportunity to be that good. They have the opportunity to be Mount Rushmore type players. They have the opportunity to be forever remembered and both of them are just sitting around blowing it for completely different reasons and in completely different ways both of them have let everything become more important than just being the best basketball player that they can be on the court for their teams, for their teammates, for themselves, for their families, for the pride that it takes to be great. Both of them are great, and they're not doing the necessary things they need to do to actually maximize their greatness, and it pisses all of us off. Well, no, I I think at some point it's going to have to register, right? Either it registers or things that you don't want to happen are going to happen. So I think at some point for both of those guys who are phenomenal talents, and I'm rooting for both of them, because not just as basketball players, but also as men, um, especially being young black men, man, and and being an example to these young kids growing up today who also want to play professionally, uh, the game of basketball, that is. So I'm rooting for both of them. As human beings, this show will always root for every – our goal here is going to be as a show – one of our pillars is a goal we root for is for every athlete to be the absolute best version of themselves every single day, every single year. We will always root for the human being. The progressive NBA snapshot brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Coming up, Victor Wembenyama will be drafted first overall tonight. You know that but you are not going to believe what some of our analysts are saying about him. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. With the seventh pick, the Denver Nuggets select Jamal Murray. With the 41st pick, the Denver Nuggets select Nikola Jokic. So, who's next? The 2023 NBA Draft. Tonight at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's underdog. Victor Wembanyama ain't anybody's underdog. Definitely Superman. Oh, I don't. Yeah, no, we're gonna say Superman. Meets Stretch Armstrong. Meets I don't know the Incredible Hulk. What else? What else? Other ones? Can we just can we just point out that Harry absolutely stole your thunder coming in? (laughs) Like you were about to go off, and Harry goes underdog, and you, I. When I saw the, the color drain out of your face. I don't know what you're talking about. There was no color drain. Well, Fitz, to, did you not watch Underdog like growing beef. up? Uh, he's trying to create beef. Oh, yeah, I watched I watched Underdog growing up. Yeah, yeah I, used, I used to love watching Underdog. See? See? Devin? When anything? was Underdog? I don't, I don't think I watched it. You don't ever how, watch well, how, how old are you, Devin? Eight. I, I'm 31. 31? Well, you should have watched Underdog. Yeah, I never watched Underdog. Wow. Is that, is that a cartoon? Yeah, it was a cartoon. Yeah. When did it come out? 
like when we were kids. Yeah, like it was out in the eighties, <laughs> nineties. Yeah, probably still on. When did it end? Because you know, I think it might. I don't ended. know the. I don't know the. Years. I know he's. <laughs> what he's, are you doing? Stop to trying me? to age us too, Dan. You know the IMDb by heart. Uh, yeah, like you think that I know the entire thing. Uh, although I am finding out that Underdog. Uh, okay, so it it ran from sixty four to sixty six. And uh, continued in syndication to 73. So I don't know yeah, why I watched really it so much. Damn. I don't know why I watched it so much. It was obviously still on. It was always it. on, though. Yeah, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, like, it was obviously still on. It was on repeats yeah, somewhere okay. in syndication. Yeah, yeah. I knew okay. that. So, no, I didn't watch Underdog. Hold on. So what years, what years was it on? Uh, it was originally on in the 60s. Like it, looks like, oh, it looks like reruns of the show aired on Nickelodeon from 1992 to 94 there and you from go. the Cartoon Network from 96 to 99 and on Boomerang from 2002 to 2007. Oh, Boomerang. Boom. No disrespect to Boomerang. Never I had watch that Boomerang one. all the time. Did you not watch Boomerang? No. The I best cartoons are always on Boomerang. I mean, oh, I thought you meant Boomerang with Eddie Murphy Boomerang. No, no, no. no. Boomerang was, uh, was like a cartoon. The Cartoon Network, though, from 95 to 99, Devin. I'm on. a Hey Arnold guy, Nickelodeon, Rugrats. Okay, so this was on Nickelodeon in the early 90s. I'm not, I'm not messing with some show in the 60s where the animation was you know, just getting started. <laughs> I know that's how you wrote it. Animation was just getting started. All right, uh, open a history book. Considering the fact that you work for Disney, all right, maybe, maybe look up Snow White. I, I love all the Disney shows and movies. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Company ESPN man. app, Sirius XM Channel 80. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing. Harry and I together, we're like Victor Wimbenyama. Can't miss. Absolute. Like, we don't let Devin drag us down. Just like we're not, just like Victor doesn't let the pressure drag us down. The pressure is Devin. All right. Harry and I are Victor Wimbenyama. Can't drag us down. Here's the thing. Just when you thought uh, there could not be any more universal praise, I want you to hear why Superman is being so praised by so many people. Let's start with Brian Windhorse, ESPN NBA insider, said this about Superman, I mean, Victor Wimbenyama on Get Up. This player is not like any other player. When you look at his frame, he absolutely will be embarrassed occasionally by somebody who is bigger than him. But I am going to tell you, and you're not going to believe what I'm saying here, but I am going to tell you that Victor Wimbenyama can defend the rim and the three-point line at the same time. You don't think it's possible until you see it happen with his length. All right, so he's Superman. He's already doing all of this. He's Superman. Uh, we we buying that first analysis there? Well, I think it's actually true. We have a real-life Gumby. We have a real-life Stretch Armstrong and Victor Wimbenyamba. So, yeah, I'm rocking with it. All right, so uh, in the world of the continued praise for Superman, I mean Victor Wembanyama, this is what Jay Billis, ESPN basketball analyst, had to say about what makes Superman, I mean Wembanyama, so special when he said this. He's a 6'2 guard in a, in a 7'5 body, and he impacts the game at, at a high level at both ends of the floor. Uh, he operates like a guard on the perimeter. His handle is like a guard. Uh, he can operate in a pick and roll his, because of his size. His strides are long. He can get to the basket. His length. Uh, he's a beautiful jump shooting form. He still needs to get better from three point range, but he's got everything. The thought that he has handles like a guard at his height. I mean, Harry, is he Superman or is he Wembenyama? He's Wembenyama. Okay, <laughs> he's Wembenyama. But <laughs> but let me let me say this though. Like a guy at his height, being able to have handles like a 6'2 guard because he studied the tape of Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete is what a lot of people call him. 
That is phenomenal. Like that, that, that's amazing to me because, you know, normally a lot of those taller players, when they're being defended by smaller players, their dribble is so high and that's why they get their pocket picked all the time. Not Wimbenyamba. He's going down like he's a 6'2 player, baby. You're going to have to defend him with all your energy and all your heart. Well, is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is he Superman? No. He's Wimbenyama. Just ask Corey Alexander, ESPN basketball analyst, who said this yesterday on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max about Super, I mean, Wimbenyama. The hype is real. And when you look at it, and of course you talk about, you know, you hear people talk about he could be the greatest prospect of all time. That's facts. Because when you think about, we've never seen anyone at seven foot five that shoots the basketball this way, that can handle the basketball. Are you saying he's a greater prospect than LeBron James? I'm just asking. I, I am. I am saying that. What? Better Ooh. prospect than LeBron. Man, I, I, I can't rock with that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I graduated high school in 2003, the same year that LeBron James did. I watched LeBron James uh, at his high school play against Oak Hill Academy when Carmelo Anthony was there. I, I've seen LeBron James growing up. Nope. 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 No, no, no. No, no, no. I do think Corey did give us a little bit after that. I was listening at the time live. One thing Corey stressed was that part of the reason he said that is because Victor Wembanyama has been out here doing it against grown ass men instead of against high school prospects. Like so, LeBron was playing against other high school players. Oh, Le- the Victor Wembanyama was playing against LeBron James. Nobody wants the truth. Like you want the terrifying truth, or do I see me sock a few dingers? Nobody needs the context of what Whoa. Corey meant. I mean, Whoa! Corey said that Whoa. he's the greatest hey, prospect, yo. better than LeBron James. Look, better we don't than need LeBron James. We I don't, don't need, need the context. You. Acting like Dylan Brooks and socking a few dingers. We I don't mean, need you doing that. Hey, yo. Evans just coming in here talking about his ding ding. I don't know what's happening. That's happening. <laughs> stay, away the from, stay away from the dingers, Evan. Hey. Stay away from the dingers. You guys should stop watching Underdog and maybe watch some Simpsons, a real show. Oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> there we go, baby. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I watched a ton of Underdog growing up. I mean, this is this is an American classic. I don't care what you say, Devin. You know what? Here's the great thing about streaming services that let you catch up on classics. You have to just go out there and find it. Now you've been told. Let us know tomorrow. Like, if you want to have I kinda an, I like this thong. You know I'm what? not gonna lie. And this is, I think my Thursday night might just be <laughs> Evan, and AKA underdog. Dylan Brooks. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> One thing I can guarantee you is that Candy and Carlin are not going to talk at all about Evan's dingers. Uh, but uh, be sure to hang out with ESPN Radio all the way through the draft. Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.